When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a road show Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery here at Haymarket Park. As uh, Junior's team, the Lincoln A's, are in the third base dugout. Just saw Coach Brett carrying the, uh, the, the, uh, the baseballs in. Not one at a time. That would take forever. But uh, the bucket man, the bucket of balls have arrived. The uh, Lincoln A's are... Making their way to Haymarket, excited for my kid and his baseball team of many years. They get a doubleheader going here at 5.30 at Haymarket. We have a lot to get into. It is Big Ten Media Days week. We're in Indy Thursday and Friday. And a lot of football to talk about. We'll hit some recruiting. We'll talk uh, Big Ten big picture. And uh, the 2021 outlook, Greg Smith, uh, recruiting guru, coming up in about uh, 15 minutes. Ramil Lloyd Jr., uh, big-time basketball commit, top 150 guard. The uh, mayor doing work on the trail again as uh, a a big-time get for Nebraska basketball for the 2022 class. Ramil Lloyd Jr. will join us in 30 minutes. Uh, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. In hour two, and then uh, Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore will get his take on the whole Tanner Farmer v. Mo Washington uh, fight that should have happened that didn't. Uh, shout out to the uh, No Block No Rock podcast for that. Uh, well, that 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 episode, but those two and a half minutes of pure gold. Uh, Elijah Herbal is with us. Elijah, what do you know? Great day for baseball. What's up? Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful day for baseball. Um, but it was also a really great day for uh, moving out one of my friends from his apartment and then into my spare bedroom. He's looking for uh, mm-hmm. a nice, uh, a, a least free way to have a place to stay in Lincoln for the next couple of months while he finishes up a summer gig. And then he wants to have some flexibility to go move elsewhere. So I guess my spare room is now his room. I, I, I got to figure out what to do with all my junk that I had to move out of there so he could move in. You know what? If you're his landlord, you just tell him, take it as is, bro. (laughs) (laughs) You get to make those rules. So there it is. Uh, Numbers to get in today, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Really interesting uh, story article by... Our friend Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com recounting Nebraska's struggles in the Big Ten. That isn't really new news, but it's been pretty well detailed by Coach Osborne, Harvey Perlman. I apologize. Putting those two names together will never happen again. But touching on who's commenting in the article and, and also some anonymous insight from 
uh, from former assistants. Uh, and listen, we can we can dive into that. We will dive into that. Uh, also, uh, when it comes to recruiting here, you know, what's Nebraska uh, need to be on the trail? And Elijah, uh, you know, I look at Nebraska uh, and and what they were when they came into the, the Big Ten. And, and they were uh, a team that was so good at putting up points. I mean, that's why Tim Beck was, was hired at Ohio State. That's why Tim Beck uh, went to Texas. Tim Beck and, and the offensive weaponry Nebraska had was incredible. They had they had killer Big 12 offenses that came to the Big 10 and nobody could check them. Nebraska routinely put up enough points in some of those big games, those blowouts, and they and honestly they got off to pretty good starts uh, uh excluding the the Big Ten championship game with, you know, the, the first or second play of the game, it's a, it's an interception. But for the most part, the, the I, I can point back, and this isn't, uh, you know, to continue to beat my own drum. It, it's my, it's my honest-to-goodness take. Nebraska's okay if they don't make a change on Bo Polini. Period. End of discussion. Is it winning at the level some of you want? No. Is it some of the behavior uh, some of you can't stand? Yeah. But when push comes to shove, Nebraska was quite a bit over 500 in the league. They were beating Northwestern, always a tight ball game. They beat Michigan. Uh, They would beat Iowa. They only lost once to Iowa. They swept Penn State. And I know Penn State was still dealing with sanctions, but hell of a lot of NFL guys on those Penn State teams that Nebraska beat. So there's your problem. Your problem is you made a change, and the, the change you made went from a, a style that gave you a chance to win offensively. Nebraska was in, in, in a world of hurt for about a two-year window when they first transitioned into the Big Ten on the, on the defensive line. But then uh, they, they stabilized there, and they had some good defensive lines, in my opinion. When you look at Malik and Randy and, and Vincent, I mean, those guys were, were good on the lines. Um, so Nebraska was, was uh, trying to, to turn the corner and go from your typical 9-3, and 9-4 and four squad uh, that couldn't solve the Wisconsin issue to a team that could, could play with Wisconsin under Riley but get whacked by everybody else, okay? I mean, that's just that's what you traded, and you brought in a guy who got the Pac-12, and his teams were Pac-12 soft in Mike Riley, all right? You, you, Bo at least got the Big Ten, and they were tough. That's what I point back to. There's your moment in, in flux capacitor history with Nebraska in reference to, to why it is sucked in the Big Ten, and then you, you have, you know, more changes within administration and you have more coaching changes and it sets your program back. Meanwhile, you have two things Frost was trying to fix. A, what he walked into when uh, you had a different uh, lack of supervision culture under Riley, tra- treated guys like they're already in the NFL. Can't do that to 18 to 22-year-olds. And I like Mike Riley. And then you, you brought your own philosophies and some body types uh, that you won the AAC with, and Nebraska's made that correction at wide receiver and trying to do so uh, at running back. But Frost knew from day one and from season one 
what you need on the lines of scrimmage. Nebraska has addressed that. So uh, there's your, your whole ball of wax in my synopsis. And can and will it get better for Nebraska football? If they're better on the lines of scrimmage, then they can be better uh, in the Big Ten. But you cannot – there is no substitute for knowing the league. Bo Pelini knew the league. And there's no substitute for the ability to win close ball games. And Bo knew how to win close ball games against teams Nebraska has not been beating or been beating on a regular basis post Bo Pelini. Now, the embarrassing blowout losses, I got no answer for you there. Those hurt, those suck, I get it. It's no fun to get rolled by Wisconsin uh, in historic proportions uh, with that levy breaking, be it Melvin Gordon or you got a pair of 200-yard rushers in the Big 12, Big 10 title game. But Nebraska was a hell of a lot closer then to winning the Big 10 than they ever were under, under Riley. And where they are right now as we speak with Frost, there's my take. Yeah, and whenever you look at Bo Pelini, I mean, he was still in the process of trying to shift his recruiting base whenever he whenever he got canned. I mean, he had good connections in Ohio, being a Youngstown guy, and his first job after Nebraska is going to Ohio, and that's the heart of Big Ten country. Um, but whenever he was in the Big Ten, the most of his recruits were still Texas guys. Uh, Texas and California, and it rocked. They exactly, did well. Exactly, and then he just tried to shift his recruiting base as he got into the Big Ten, and he didn't honestly get the time to be able to do that before he got sent down the road and we bring in Mike Riley to go completely west coast which just in hindsight makes absolutely no sense I remember being confused by that hire the day it happened being like Mm -hmm. oh Mike this wasn't even a name that was being discussed by anyone in the media or anything like that and it just felt kind of out of the blue um but I said okay maybe maybe they know better than me and no they didn't um well here's the other thought too I mean think think about I mean it just doesn't feel like we've had a a recruiting base since we've joined the big ten it, 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 you've tried. You, you tried to shop in Ohio, and it was okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't what Ohio State was doing. It wasn't what Michigan was doing. I mean, you were getting you – know, it's okay to get third or fourth pick out of there. <laughs> you know, tr- traditionally that's been okay for a lot of schools, but you're not going to make a living. You were, you were well-connected in Texas and in California. And, and think of some of the guys that, that did well – uh, in the Big Ten from from that. I mean, Rex Burkhead did well, all right. Uh, Randy Gregory's kind of in that Big Ten foot, p- footprint, clearly, obviously, with um, being, a you know, an Indiana kid. Um, and then Malik's a Kansas City guy. Vincent's uh, an Illinois guy. So, I mean, Nebraska adjusted well, but honestly, there was that vacuum. When you're making the move to the Big 12, you had – you still had some good feelings and some good times post-Sue, right? You still had the, the Sue residual, and it doesn't feel like Nebraska made a a big-time connection. I think they, the recruiting class that they signed uh, after, after the Sue years, I don't think any of those kids ever ended up contributing or, or playing meaningful snaps, quite honestly. And then uh, you make a change. Once Carl leaves at defensive line, you bring in Coach Kaczynski, uh, Kaz knew the Big Ten being from Iowa, and they went to work and got better on the defensive line. But Nebraska, I mean, they, they had Levante. They had Will Compton. Uh, they had they had some guys, man. They had some dudes that were, were good in the middle. They had some good guys in the secondary. And offensively, between the Quincy was and the Kenny Bells, uh, and, and then you had Rex and Amir. Uh, you can say what you want about T-Magic, but he was he killed a lot of defenses, man, in the Big Ten. And even Tommy Armstrong did 
Uh, and, and Tommy, you know, just watching him play ball, you know, man, he would have been uh, – he, he doesn't get the credit he deserves as, as talented an athlete as he is. But Nebraska had a team that could put up and did put up a, a lot of points. We're going to try and run down uh, Tyler – Hunt, the uh, the manager of the Lincoln A's here in, in a moment, just to give him a couple of minutes. Uh, Elijah here as this doubleheader gets going here at Haymarket between the Lincoln A's. Excited about that. But now there, there's, a, there's a lot of reason for struggle, and it's been, you know, the question is, is it is it Nebraska uh, getting in their own way once they transitioned, or is it truly a situation where, yeah, the, the team's jumping leagues, <laughs> so it's gonna be, it's gonna be really hard. It's gonna be really hard for um, uh, for for a team to make that transition because you go from fire hydrant type defensive linemen, right, the short, stocky guys, to, to needing guys that that are built a little bit more like Randy Gregory and uh, and uh, Malik Collins. So it, it's not just one thing, Elijah, but it is uh, a mixture of. Of things and and I think I think if I'm gonna error if I'm gonna pick a, a reason I think it's more Nebraska being in Nebraska's own way that's uh, slowed their their progress in the Big Ten. Well, yeah, I, I'm with you because whenever you look at the past ten years since we've joined the Big Ten, the big theme of Nebraska football has been instability, instability in where you're recruiting, instability in the head coaching position. Uh, instability uh, across all the assistant coaches, instability in the athletic chair. I mean, it just does not feel like there's been any continuity from year to year with this Husker football team, and it's obviously difficult to find success when that happens. I mean, even the play on the field, uh, it feels like there's a lot of guys who come in, uh, especially since Frost, that have been here. They get their, their grad transfer year. They get here for one year, and then boom, they hit the road. Or you get a new recruit in who looks good for a year, and then boom, he's on the road. So it's it just... I don't think it's it's possible to find success in a league that's as difficult as the Big Ten is whenever you got turnover every single year from the roster to where you're recruiting to the athletic department to the athletic director uh, to your coaching staff. It just it's been tough. And that's why I think Nebraska has, you know, tried to, to make it work with Coach Frost and his staff for four years now. And that's why they have a long leash, because you need stability uh, whenever you're trying to join a new league and find success in a new league. I totally agree with that. Uh, Ramil Lloyd Jr. is going to be with us here in 20 minutes. Top 150 uh, recruit for Nebraska basketball. Greg Smith shortly. We bring in uh, Tyler Hunt. He is the uh, the manager of the Lincoln A's. I've been so uh, proud and, and fortunate to have Junior play ball for him and Coach Brett. Tyler, what do you think, man? Hey, market. Uh, no rain, sunshine. You got the... Uh, Carolina Blue Rockin' tonight. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me, Chris. We're just grateful to be out here, and the Salt Dogs opened this place up for us to play on. Got rained out last week, but got another opportunity today. What do you think, man? <laughs> Team ready? Oh, yeah, they're ready. We got uh, your boy's going to be on the mound tonight, so we're oh, going to see Oh, sweet if... God. <laughs> Can I give you 100 on air right now to keep that from happening? Done, but <laughs> we, we got some good uh, information from uh, – our pitching coach Jeff Christie and oh, yeah. see if we can roll the ball out there and play a little bolt ball. That's pretty good. So bolt ball is is in store. That's outstanding. Uh, that <laughs> Junior's throwing tonight. <laughs> so it, you know the Pete Rose right now uh, wouldn't wouldn't bet on bet on the ace tonight. If oh, Junior's oh throwing. they are they are they got a, <laughs> Pete Rose. Pete, is saying Pete's got a lot gold. of confidence in Junior Pete, Pete tonight. Say, Pete says it's it's Junior on the hill tonight. If we can just uh, have Junior unhook the plow that he's dragging behind him when he's grounding the <sighs> bases, that would be ideal. You know that is a 
it's a hereditary thing. Ah, uh, yeah. And we can't speak ill of his mother. <laughs> <laughs> we just can't do it. I love it. No, we can't do it. We can't do it. So, no, the Lincoln A's are ready to rock. They are in the uh, third base dugout. Who's uh, up first? So we're playing the Blackhawks in the first game at 5.30, um, and then the Junior Pride, they're out of, I think, Omaha. Junior Pride uh, did us in in state. No, we beat them in state. Okay, we got them in state. Yeah, we got them in I'm state. A, I'm a wonderful so. father of the year candidate. They're, they're out for blood today, so we're going to have to have our A game ready <laughs> to go. That's pretty good. Uh, I understand the concessions are going to be open tonight, mm-hmm. full service, so... You need, come, come you, you'll need, some you'll need something. Yeah, come on down to yeah. Haymarket. Uh, watch the, the Lincoln A's. Junior uh, went from the wild thing, Ricky Vaughn number, to a tribute to, to Derek Jeter <laughs> in, in number. But, no, I love my boys. <laughs> played ball with uh, Tyler and Coach Brett for uh, six years, and it's been an awesome six years, and this is uh, an exclamation point. Yeah. Tyler, thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Greg Smith's on the way. And we're back. Fellas. I think we could listen to the radio listen. on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Back here at Haymarket Park, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. The uh, Lincoln A's are set to take the field here in a little uh, more than an hour. Game one of two. You just heard from Coach Tyler. Uh, big night for uh, Junior's baseball team. This is really awesome that they get a chance to play some ball at uh, the incredible gem of not only college but pro baseball, Haymarket Park. Uh, thoughts on the Adam Rittenberg story on Nebraska's struggles in the Big Ten. Where do you lean? Is it more about Nebraska or do you chalk it up to more of it being a, a situation with uh, conference Change and you gotta, you gotta change uh, how and who you recruit uh, when you make the shift uh, in the league. We'll talk recruiting here with Greg Smith, Hailvarsity.com and Magazine at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Greg, busy, uh, busy day. I know things are quiet on the trail, sort of, kind of, but Nebraska's always working. We'll start off with uh, with Hayden Schwartz. Uh, what do you like about this kid's game? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I, thanks for having me. I like his motor. I think that that's the first thing that you kind of notice uh, when you pop the film on. Also, his frame. Um, he's got really good size. and a kid that, you know, can rush the passer from the defensive end spot. And I think that that's where Nebraska will start him out as kind of a rush in um, to get after the quarterback. Um, but also, I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility to have him trim down some and play kind of an outside linebacker in the, in the mold that Garrett Nelson plays. But um, I like him as a rush in like I think Nebraska does right now. You know, Greg, uh, some thoughts here on the uh, the Adam Rittenberg story about Nebraska's struggles. And as you've analyzed things on the recruiting trail, uh, and I know you, you did a story and, and did a kind of a, a video Q&A. You always do that each week. And for more info, check out at Hale Varsity and at Greg Smith HV. You and Aaron Sorensen always uh, kind of go back and forth on, on some really awesome topics. But as, as you look at Nebraska recruiting now, do you think they've been able to to be comfortable? It's never comfortable in recruiting, obviously, but at least from a body type and a style and a player profile, do you think Nebraska's in as good a shape as they've been in in a while when it comes to recruiting? What's your take? 
Yes, I do think that they're in as good a shape as they have been in a while. And part of that, and part of the issue here for Nebraska has, has been multiple, right? Is that, and it goes into this with recruiting, is that having the coach turnover that Nebraska has had has not led to consistency on the recruiting trail. So you, you're not always looking for the same types of players, and we know that. You're also not looking in the same hot spots for players, right? As we've seen that shift and change um, over these coaching changes as well. And so having that continuity with their staff has definitely helped in that regard. Um, also, having this staff continue to understand, you know, what type of size they need in this league, um, I continue to want to get to give them public praise for that because I think that recognizing that and making that adjustment on the fly is worth praising. Got to see what how it comes out in the wash with the results. Um, but I definitely think they're in as good a shot a shape body type wise as they have been in quite some time to compete this week. You just nailed it. If you're always turning over a coach, a coach will want a different body type or they're recruiting to a certain philosophy. You know, Bo would recruit towards what What can I do to, to just get gash offensive chunks? And they did it with the Amirs, the Kenny Bells, the Anunwas, the Taylor Martinez, the Rex Burkhead. They got high flyers, man. They And they had a really good offensive line. Uh, an athletic but very physical, wonderful combination for a lot of years on the offensive line. They they got where they needed to be on the defensive line uh, with, uh, you know, after uh, kind of getting pulverized there or doing more makeshift in, in, on, on the lines when they go from Big 12 to Big 10. But it got okay, and, and Nebraska was, you know, able to get after the quarterback and be good enough against the run. And, and they won a lot of close games. Then you go shift to Riley's philosophy. It's awesome if you're tossing the ball around in the Pac-12, but I think Nebraska right. just got soft on the lines of scrimmage, and, and the rest of the league knew it, and they got pulverized, quite honestly. So now here comes your third coach since being in the Big Ten. And, and Frost has had to adjust a little bit from what he originally came in with in a whirlwind to, to what he's going after now. So I think you nailed it. You didn't have any consistency, and everybody's got different ties for the most part, don't they, when it comes to right. a recruiting base? Yeah, I mean, it's vastly different from what what was happening under Fellini, what was happening, like what Riley then came in with his philosophy to what Frost came in trying to do. And, it, and it's kind of funny when you even just keep it to Frost and what they kind of came in wanting to recruit the South and then just kind of, and then kind of see what happens with the Midwest. Well, you kind of figure out that, hey, you might have come into this region at the exact right time where talent is just exploding um, in the 500-mile radius and a little bit beyond, right? So it actually makes sense to kind of focus in on that and then kind of cherry pick from guys in the South and I think you've seen that shift a little bit too. Um, it's just really interesting on how that all kind of compounds itself when it feels like, oh, you're talking about previous coaching staff still, but it's not even necessarily about them. It's about the huge shifts in philosophy while being in a conference that has a lot of consistency and teams that know who they are. Now, Greg, we were talking in the first segment how, how Nebraska's kind of moved around their uh, their recruiting base from place to place since they've joined the Big Ten, from California, Ohio. Now they're looking at, I mean, there was Florida for a little bit. Now it's more that Georgia area. So do you think Nebraska has found its, its first, you know, real recruiting base that can find them success since they've joined the Big Ten, or are we still in wait-and-see mode? 
Um, I still think we need a little bit more consistency with what happens um, to really establish or say, hey, this is the area that Nebraska has established. We know, like you said, we know they want to recruit Georgia. Um, they still want to get some, some speed out of Florida. Um, but the thing that I continue to look for with that is how many times is Nebraska going up against Big Ten schools uh, for recruits? I think that it's a good thing in a way if you see Nebraska or you continue to see Nebraska battling, you know, now Indiana continues to pop up. Michigan State keeps popping up, but like Michigan, you want to battle. At some point, of course, you want to start battling Ohio State, but that's a few years away. Um, but I think that that's what Nebraska needs to be able to do is to go up against those Big Ten schools in Iowa, obviously, too, and they've been continuing to battle with them um, so that you're taking players away from your competition and then you're beating them with those players that they wanted. Greg, uh, a thought on, you know, what should Nebraska be? And I'll ask you, what should Nebraska be in the Big Ten from a recruiting ranking standpoint? And you need to see those rankings translate because they seem to for <laughs> for Ohio State. And then you look at Northwestern and Indiana, they get the fit. And boy, do they get that fit right because they've been really good the last couple of years. Yeah, Nebraska has an opportunity in my mind to be that third or fourth best team in the conference when it comes to recruiting rankings basically every year, um, just based on the tradition, the fan base now with NIL, um, just like how high profile the program is here. Ohio State's always going to be one. Uh, Michigan and Penn State are going to probably battle for those next couple of spots, and then Nebraska follows right in there um, with the other team that didn't make it, and now Wisconsin is on the rise. So, you know, third or fourth in the league is a about where they need to be, but I think you nailed the key point, which is they, it's got to translate on the field. Nebraska's recruiting rankings have been great um, on paper for the last handful of years. Um, it's now time for that to catch up on the field. Now, Greg, there's a there's a quote from this Adam Rittenberg uh, article when it talks about football's recruiting, uh, saying that the path forward is through recruiting, but that you're going to struggle to to compete against a lot of these teams, especially ones that have major airports or, or are closer to other recruiting bases. But when you look at the Husker basketball team and what they've been able to do in their recruiting just since Hoiberg has arrived, do you think that kind of bucks that trend and says, you know, maybe Nebraska can compete in uh, in football with recruiting with these other Big Ten giants? Yeah, I don't. I think that the basketball example, but I think the example is there for football. Like Nebraska has recruited on paper just fine. It's whether or not they can actually develop guys once they get here. They can keep guys, and then they can have success on the field. Like that's what it's about. Because I still think that if Nebraska was actually was better on the field, um, that those recruiting rankings could even tick up just a little bit, um, and you could see them start to nudge up to compete um, with the top couple of teams in the league. Ohio State again is going to be on its own because they've their own juggernaut rolling on the trail. Um, but I think that they have, they're just fine where they are recruiting-wise and like the rankings and how they fall. If Nebraska is a top 15, top 18 class every year, that's going to put you basically first in the Big Ten West every year. Um, that's good enough to win a lot of ball games. Greg, think, think, think if you get the combination of you're getting 15 to 18 or maybe a, you get a 12 or, a, God forbid, a 10, but say right. your development matches what's on paper. I mean, that's to me what, what makes Ohio State or Bama special. Yeah, they're getting insanely talented guys, but they're they're developing a first and second and in a third team. So it's reload time once somebody <laughs> takes off uh, for the NFL. Uh, that's to me where – and the other part of this too, Greg, got a couple of minutes here. Nebraska's lost so many guys. Do we know – do we know if this staff – 
Um, what, what Do we know what this staff can be when it comes to development? Because I tell you what, man, there's been a lot of kids that, that haven't stuck around for whatever reason, and uh, that's too bad. And, and I think we'll get a chance to see a great glimpse of of Coach Austin, I think the offensive lines have continued to improve. I think the defensive lines have continued to improve. You've seen the secondaries be pretty good. You've seen the linebackers grow forward. It's really kind of about the offense, and, and you've got a new, uh, you had a new offensive coordinator and, and wide receiver position coach now going into year two, non-COVID year, really, uh, a year one. So, do we have a full, uh, fair assessment on Nebraska's developmental abilities? We probably do not, especially in those key areas, those two areas really that um, that were kind of a big question mark. Wide receiver, we really don't have an idea because Lubick hasn't been here long enough with guys um, that they've really tried to recruit here over the last couple of years that they've changed the body type profile of that. Um, and then running back is still is now a question mark going forward. Um, Nebraska can recruit on paper good running backs, and that still continued to happen, but being able to develop those guys, we'll definitely get a true sense of what what Ryan Hell's doing there uh, based on all the young players that they have the promise in the room. Greg Smith is with his uh, recruiting thoughts, kind of in reference to the Adam Rittenberg article, you know, why has Nebraska struggled in the Big Ten? Has it been more about Nebraska or has the league shift been something that slowed uh, where Nebraska can be? Uh, you uh, it's kind of choose your own adventure. Remember the old grade school uh, book? <laughs> you have three do. doors to choose how it ends. <laughs> and uh, uh, we'll see where Nebraska goes this year. But, Greg, what are you looking forward to here? Uh, about 30 seconds here with Media Days, man. Who do you, what, what team are you most intrigued by? Man, okay, so outside of Nebraska, I think Indiana um, is one that that sticks out to me because how do they deal now with having a little bit of that target on their back, right? Mm -hmm. And now as Tom Allen is not sneaking up on anybody, um, he's been kind of a darling of the league here over the last couple of years. And plus, I still think on another note, to see the Harbaugh show and how it's now received (laughs) um, as he's been there multiple years is always kind of fascinating to me too. Greg, appreciate you. We'll get caught up soon. Thanks for the time. Hey, sounds good. Have a great week. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to your Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal here at Haymarket Park, sun-drenched. Home of Husker Baseball and, of course, the Salt Dogs. And uh, it is the Lincoln A's, uh, a doubleheader they are hosting here. Junior's team, Coach Tyler and Coach Brett. Uh, the Lincoln A's are warming up right now. We will avoid play-by-play on how my kid does catching a fly ball here shortly. Let's talk basketball. Nebraska continues to be amazing on the recruiting trail. A top 125 player for 2022 committing to Nebraska out of Chatsworth, California. Ramel Lloyd Jr. joins us on the show. Uh, Ramel, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good, man. So take me through uh, your process. A lot of heavy hitters coming after you to play college basketball. And and just reset for the listeners, if you can, you know, where Nebraska was in that pecking order and how they, they emerged. What was it about Nebraska that was so special that made you want to say yes? Well, for me, it was about um, finding the place that was the best fit for me as a person and me as, and, uh, as a basketball player. So 
Nebraska fit, you know, all those boxes and check those boxes out for me as a player and as a person. So I just thought it was going to be the best fit for uh, my future. You know, Ramel, when, when you look at fit, that's so important. Give us a look-see in, into what, what, you know, needed to be checked in that box. What what When you talk about your fit, what were you looking forward to, not only to further education but further your game? You know, how did Nebraska stand out that way specifically? Well, mainly um, Coach Hoiberg. You know, Coach Hoiberg has been an NBA coach, NBA GM, and he, you know, he has all the answers. I mean, uh, his, his five-hour offense and the flow and what he wants from his guys is uh, everything I'm looking for. Now, Ramel, your dad, he's a guy who was a, a, I mean, a, a top high school basketball player as well, and, and he spent a year at Syracuse and then ended up transferring to, I believe, Long Beach State, where he had a pretty successful career. Uh, now, was, was he you know, advising you on making sure that you found a spot that fit what worked for you? I mean, he, he's a guy who had a, a pretty talented basketball career himself. Yeah, Pops was a big part of this whole journey. You know, he's the one that put the ball in my hand and started me off, so. You know, he, he was definitely advising me throughout this process the whole time. And um, he felt the same way about Nebraska as I did. So it was an easy decision for us. I got to ask, uh, when's the last time you beat Pops in one-on-one? Uh, the last time, I don't remember the last time we played, but uh, to answer your question, I've definitely beaten Pops one-on-one. Like, I, I, got, I caught up to him. He can't beat me anymore. So do you beat him by a do you beat him by a little or or do you put the hammer down? Oh, uh, you know, pops. You know, even though pops a little older now, he still got it a little bit. So what I what I do is I try to keep it close until he gets tired, and then I just go full throttle on him. Then he can't really do too much when he gets tired. <laughs> Talking with new Husker basketball commit Ramel Lloyd Jr. here. And Ramel, when I was going through YouTube last night uh, watching your highlights, I saw some videos of you when you were in like 6th, 7th grade. And I, I heard a story from your dad about how you, you got into uh, your, your trainer's attention, uh, essentially. is You were playing against his team, and you were, what, just dropping buckets on him? He decided that he wanted you on his team. Is, is that how that went down? Yeah, that's pretty much how it was, you know. Um at that time, I wasn't. I mean, it was early in my career, so we just kind of started playing everything. And I was playing a couple of age groups up, and we were playing against my, you know, my trainer slash coach. And he just he thought he thought that I was older than what the actual age group was. And then so he wound up talking to us the game and found out that I was younger. And he was like, "Well, if you're really this age, like you could, you're probably one of the best players in the country." So he took me under his wing, and you know, he just has built, has been helping me build since then. Ramel Lloyd's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, a new commit for Nebraska basketball. Ramel, want to get your take on, on what you love about the Nebraska slash Hoiberg offense. Uh, I know the, the five out, the space, the pace. I mean, Fred preaches that, and when it works, it's incredible. You're fit with it. Are you going to be splitting time with handling the ball or more of a shooting guard, off guard? What, what's kind of the, the blueprint for you? What's Nebraska looking at from you? Yeah, you know, I'm a versatile player, all-around guy, so I'm definitely going to be on the ball, off the ball, you know, a combo guard. You know, I can, I can play off and I can play on it. I can do a bunch of different things on the floor, so I'm, I know coaches are going to utilize me every way possible. Now, who do you like to, to pattern your game after? Who, who's uh, somebody past or present in the association that you think your game matches up with or you've maybe taken uh, snippets of their game and you've added to your repertoire? There's a couple different guys. I would say I like I like to watch a lot of Devin Booker, 
Shaq Gildas, Alexander, Bradley Bill, a couple of the, you know, the combo guards that could facilitate, score at all three levels, and, and just be very versatile when it comes to that. So those are mainly, mainly the guys I talk to or watch. So, Ramel, I know that NBA is probably the main goal for you, being a top 100 recruit. So I want to ask, what are you working on in your game right now that you want to get better on to be able to improve yourself and be uh, you know, seen by NBA scouts? I mean, you, you had a COVID year last year, which I'm sure screwed up a lot of things. Um, but it may have also given you a chance to work on some other parts of your game that you may have not gotten a chance to work on otherwise. Well, for me, I'm just, I've just been continuing to sharpen my skills in every aspect. You know, obviously, as you know, the level to go up, the guys get bigger and stronger. So just continue to work on my body and just, you know, continue shooting jump shots and just getting, getting everything sharp. So as, as the levels move up, I'll be at the, at the right spot. Ramel, when you took your official to, to Lincoln, there's the, the reputation of Lincoln, Nebraska. There's the reality of Lincoln, Nebraska. What stuck out to you about Lincoln, and who did you connect with uh, as far as guys that hosted you, guys on the team that, that helped uh, make you feel at home? Well, from when I was there, you know, Lincoln was great. You know, The city it seems fun. I mean, the coaches have told me about how, you know, how the fans are and how crazy it can get and this is support around the city and area. So uh, I'm looking forward to coming back out there sometime this year and checking out a football game or a basketball game and, and really getting to see firsthand. But, you know, it, it was great. And I, on my visit, I got a chance to be with pretty much the whole team and everybody had a great vibe about them and uh, I loved it. So it just felt like uh, family from the, from the beginning. Ramel, we got about a minute left. Your time for maybe uh, one or two last thoughts. So I just want to ask, uh, the, the talk of college sports the past few weeks has been name, image, and likeness, and Nebraska's really been on, on the forefront of that. So was that a, a major part of what Hoiberg and company were selling to you uh, as a part of uh, your recruitment? Not necessarily. You know, it's obviously um, very nice to have now, and it's, uh, I'm glad guys are able to utilize uh, you know NIL stuff, but... For me, that wasn't too important. I was really just looking for a school that, that I could uh, play at and, you know, fit. Ramel, last thought here. Uh, tell us uh, your expectations for uh, for Sierra Canyon. Uh, what's uh, what's this senior season going to be like for you? Oh, yeah, for us, it's, it's going to be – you know, it's not going to be a good season, so – uh, I want to be undefeated, state champions, national champions. We're coming for everything this year. Ramel, I guess I got one last quick thought. I'm, I'm sorry that we told you last one, but I got one more. What's it like playing with guys like, you know, LeBron James, even Drake being on the sideline? That's, that's got to be crazy as, as a high school basketball environment, right? Yeah, it's, it's a blessing. It's really fun, you know, to be, in, to be a part of something like that for sure. Ramel, best to you. Uh, good luck uh, with that senior season. Thanks for a few minutes with us on Hale Varsity. Thank you for having me. You guys have a good one. You too. There he is. So the key is his tire pops out and then take him down in the driveway with one-on-one. Uh, I love that. Ramel Lloyd Jr., uh, big-time talent. Nice get for Hoiberg and company. They are crushing it. We'll wind down hour one here at Haymarket with Hale Varsity. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. The Lincoln A's are at Haymarket Park. Get ready for a doubleheader. 
Uh, probably the final uh, Lincoln game for a lot of kids that played a lot of ball together going back six, seven years. And Coach Tyler uh, helped us kick off uh, the first segment with Coach Brett. And, uh, you know, going to be a lot of fun tonight. Haymarket Park, uh, Charlie Meyer, the Salt Dogs, the, so gracious to, to allow this to happen. They let uh, – there is the opportunity to, to rent out Haymarket to, to do some tournaments and host some tournaments. And I can't thank them enough for – uh, well, a making this available to a bunch of 14-year-olds, and they are uh, they are going to remember this forever. Now, we will not set any in-game lines, Elijah, on hits, runs, errors, extra base hits, or even home runs off Junior. If someone tags a home run off Junior today, I mean, this will be this will be a week's worth. I mean, I mean, I might even bring it up in Indy this week, just just one once an hour. To uh, to pile on him if he doesn't clean his room or something like that. I mean, it's a little harsh, but I, I don't think you're coming from a bad place here now. <laughs> but Tyler's confident. Even Pete Rose would bet on on uh, the A's tonight. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, speaking of bets, if it were to go down in the octagon, would you take a flyer on Mo Washington versus Tanner Farmer? This from uh, the good folks at uh, No Block, No Rock, their podcast with Tanner Farmer. One time, Mo almost met the angel of death in the locker room. Yeah, I, I remember I looked at Maurice and I was like, wow, this guy's special. Yeah. He's got athletic talent. Yep. And then I talked to him and I'm like, uh-oh, this, is, this, is, this isn't going to be working. I remember at one point I went to Coach Austin and I was like, that guy's not going to make it here. He's like, oh, we just need to surround them by the right people. I was like, I, I don't think you understand. I, I've tried. There was, I would talk to him and be like, hey, man, come on, you got to go to class. I was like, do you need help? Do you need, like, you're not waking up. It's like, if you're not waking up, I was like, do you need people to knock on your door? I was like, do you need, like, how can I help you? Right. And I went up to him uh, after practice, after he'd been late to practice. And I was like, hey, man, let's sit down and talk about this. I was like, you know, I said, you're my brother. Let's figure this out. Yeah. And. And he, and he says, get the f- off me. Huh. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, whoa. I was like, man. It's like, you just can't talk. I'm, I said, I'm just trying to help you. I was like, don't talk to me like that. Yeah. And he's like, get the f- out of my face. Get, and, and then I was like, I, he just put it, you know, put my hand on the shoulder. Pad. I was like, that's not, you know, that's not okay. I'm starting to get pissed. Right. Like, I'm trying to stay composed. I'm like, I'm trying to treat you well right now. Yeah. But you're acting out of line. Yeah. And then I just put my hand on my shoulder. I didn't really regret him. And then he throws my hand off, grabs me up by the chest, and he goes to punch me. And I, uh, hmm. at that point, I bring, it, I brought him in real close, and it's about to go down. And uh, yeah. and then, and then one of the coaches, I think it was Sean Beckton at the time, he 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 comes in, breaks it up. Like I think he had seen like what was leading up, and as soon as we were about to go, he's like, I got to break this up right now. So. Typically, Elijah, what's the what's the line on an MMA fight? Like, say Connor's fighting a tomato can pre-leg snappage. Oh, I mean that that's going to be like a, a minus five hundred, minus six hundred favorite. So I I, I got to have Tanner Farmer at like minus eight hundred just with his wrestling so background too. You're going to bet eight hundred bucks to win a hundred. Probably, yeah. That's very fair. Coach McBride's next. It's uh, a Monday with Charlie Hale. Varsity continues from Haymarket Park, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery here at Haymarket Park. Gorgeous night for baseball, I believe. Yes, the concessions are open, so I'm smelling brats and Fairberry brand hot dogs. And there's a tap or several open. Right now, Junior's shagging. He is getting the start tonight here at Haymarket Park. His uh, team is 14U, uh, baseball team. They rented out Haymarket in a doubleheader tonight, 5.30 and 7.30. So you want to see some ball, come on down to Haymarket, get a cold one, and we'll uh, set the over-under on number of innings pitched for Junior here before we get out at 6. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt uh, a Monday with Charlie, Coach Charlie McBride with us. Coach, how are we doing today? Good. Good. I just got back eating a whole bunch of ice cream. I'm just uh, trying to gain all this weight I lost back. Well, how much ice? How much ice cream are we talking? That that sounds like a, that sounds like a plan to me, me, man. You you can't eat it, and it's the smallest. You get a bowl of it, and it's the smallest bowl they got, and it's about five scoops, and you can't eat it all. They think they think we're growing. I'm a growing boy still. <laughs> That's the way. To, so, are you a are you a homemade ice cream guy? Do you like chocolate, Rocky Road? What what are we going with? I had uh, mint avalanche today. Oh, wow. That sounds pretty yeah. good. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> well, we're, we're got, getting... They got about 50 different flavors. I mean, this place is something <laughs> else. It's in, a, it's in a little town called Nottawa. So we, <laughs> anyway, it was great. Everybody well, had fun. There you go. Charlie McBride, the, the mint avalanche is highly recommended uh, from Coach. Uh, so, Coach, I want to dive into some some things here. ESPN did a big feature on uh, Nebraska in the Big Ten. You know, you're going in from year 10 to 11. And, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this year shakes out. And, and I, I think Scott's pretty confident in what he has with his team uh that Mm -hmm. said they were trying to pinpoint you know why why it went all sideways for for nebraska why hasn't nebraska been better in the big 10 and my question to you if you were to pick one side of the aisle here was is nebraska's struggles more on nebraska or more about the league just being that difficult and when i mean you know nebraska struggles you know how the the song and dance is got is has been going you either make it a yeah. change at coach or athletic director and there's been minimal <laughs> stability so if you had to pick well, which one as a primary reason what would you go with well i think one of the things you have to look at is how much all of, all all the leagues whether you compare the big 12 to the big 10 how much all those teams have improved I mean, the improvement of all all of it has been, even in the Big Ten, because it used to just be Oklahoma, Michigan, year after year after year after year. It was, you know, the rest of it was a waste of time. 
and uh, and and then as, as coaches changed and came in, they got things going and got the new facilities and all these different things changed. Changed just completely changed college football. I think the facility thing was a big thing with a lot of the players. A lot of the kids coming in and in all sports. I mean, uh, I mean, you go look at the volleyball. They did what they could at the rec center, made it great, but they made it even better when they went to the Devaney, and then, so things improved there, and so on and so forth. So that's one of that's one of the things I think that improved. I think with us uh, was the thing was just too many changes. I mean, it just it just was. Not a good thing, and that's not only been us. If you look back at Oklahoma for a few years there, they had about four, five, six changes, you know, and they kind of were in the tank for a while. And so, it, it when you start having that, and you lose your continuity, you, you start messing a little bit with your tradition. And then uh, I think the first year we it was a big thing when we didn't go to a bowl game after we'd been to one, what, 27, 28 in a row or some crazy number and stuff like that. Um, you know, and then, you know, all of that stuff kind of hurt the program a little bit, I think. And it was all little, it was all little things. They picked, kept picking at it. And I think the change in coaches was one of the hardest things that that hurt that hurt the program the most because it just uh, just too hard when you you know you have you have coaches about every two or three years and and when it started when you get rid of a coach that won a bunch of games but things weren't going recruiting wise where people don't remember back but recruiting probably wasn't going very good uh then and there were some other i i don't know all the stuff that went on but the reasons but you know and then you had the athletic director changes and it was you know i mean i'm sitting here going like what the heck's going on i mean and so was everybody else i mean it was you know you got to kind of stick with people once in a while and hope like they can develop and uh, sometimes I think we got a little hasty, maybe, and um, but then there were also some guys that weren't built for college football, you know, and um, that's a hard thing to, to figure out unless they've been coaching in college uh, previously. And you take like Callahan, he coached at Illinois, but for a lot of that afterwards was. Uh, uh, he went on to northern Arizona then, I think, but then from then on it was all pro football. And he kind of fell into that that realm. You know, he fits better in the NFL than he does in college football. Although he did recruit some really good players, that, you know, that played. Um, but I just think that the conferences in in all directions, every conference you'll find is, is much, much improved. And it's just a general big improvement. Emphasis in high school got better, bigger, you know, and football became a bigger thing. And they also got bigger in all of their, uh, you know, their facilities and things like that. I mean, you go to some of these high schools and their weight rooms are, you know, really something. And um, so it's just a combination of stuff, I think, that, it made everybody better, and and once you start changing coaches and changing all that, you kind of fall behind. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie Hale Varsity Radio. We're here live at Haymarket Park. 
uh, juniors uh, team. The uh, Lincoln A's set to go here at 5.30 as uh, both uh, teams are warming up here. A doubleheader uh, just off uh, in front of me, coach, behind center field. Right across the Interstate Memorial Stadium, the West Stadium looks uh, fantastic. Uh, blue skies with a few clouds, so a great day for for baseball. Excited to be here to watch my kid and his great teammates play ball. A lot of years with this team as they are winding their time uh, together down. Coach, you mentioned uh, a lot of different things, and can you imagine what Nebraska was going through and you think they're still going through it when it comes to getting a recruiting foothold even a decade later in the Big Ten. You got to have a home port, don't you? And it seems like you jump from the Big 12 where you can go to California and Texas. You can still go to California and Texas, but, you know, you, you were playing <laughs> at least twice a year or, or at least twice uh, a, a team. You know, two teams uh, from Texas each year were on your schedule in the Big 12. And, and Nebraska's not, not had that opportunity. They've done a nice job in Georgia. They've done a nice job with Scott's kids uh, coming here. They just haven't been able to keep them all here. So they've shifted focus a little bit to, right. to closer to home, which is fine. But uh, that that's a big puzzle piece, isn't it, when we talk about struggles, yeah. not having yeah. kind of a home port recruiting-wise. Well, I think you got coaches, too. And I, and I don't know exactly, but I think you have coaches on the staff that are more familiar with you know the, that area in the south, uh, along with Scott. You know that at the time, the three years or so he was there, um, you know he got to know an awful lot of coaches and stuff like that, and it it, it it led him back to that area. And I think the first year, if you look at what Callahan did, is just about nothing in the state, and you know that that really hurt. And when you when you treat the state, you don't treat it with a with respect. I mean, there are some good football players in this state, and and they're the kind of kids. A lot of times, they don't have the coaching that they have maybe in Texas and Florida and that that kind of stuff. You know, some of these kids out in Western Nebraska. You know, some of the bigger schools, yes, maybe so, but the smaller schools, you may only have one or two assistants. And heck, some of these kids in the South been brought up through a junior college program, through the whole deal. And football was big time, you know, all the time. And uh, But that's why I said the kids in Nebraska, you know, when they wanted to know who the best athletes were, I remember when they called, uh, I think Gillespie was the, the recruiting coordinator at the time, and they wanted to know who the best player in the state was. Well, at that time it was Amon Green. And then they, he, I remember Gillespie saying, do you want to know us? We have some other players. They said, no, we don't want to know any other ones. Just that's good enough. So you know what kind of a business they were doing as far as evaluating. They just wanted – they had their own areas that they had at one time. And that's the same thing kind of. If you really look at these guys, who's the guy in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and that, those guys aren't getting the look in, in Idaho. And all of, we've had players from Idaho, Montana, you know, all all up and down the area that probably weren't ever even – I don't know what they'd rate them, you know, if they give them so many stars. Just, they, you know, if you have the best player in the state of Montana, he probably is a four- or five-star guy. The rest of them are probably twos and threes. So, you know, I mean, it. That's not fair, you know, when you don't get the exposure. But, again, the coaching has a lot to do with it, too. And I think sometimes you get kids from Texas, which we have done, 
that don't get any better than they were in high school. I mean, they've been coached so good. I mean, you know, they, they've been coached. They have been repetition so much. And then when you get them, they, they haven't had anything. Where now, when I was there, we used to get kids and move them to a position they never played before. And, but you knew they were good players, and you just coached them, taught them. You taught them what you wanted them to do, know, and they, they're easier to coach when they don't have bad habits. I totally agree with you on that. Charlie McBride's with us. Mondays with Charlie. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, we're talking Nebraska and the Big Ten. You know, I, I, Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis is where we're going to be here Thursday and Friday. Excited to, to catch up with uh, a lot of the players, uh, the different coaches, and just be there. I've not ever been to Indianapolis and, uh, you know, I hear I'm spoke Coach, you can tell me this. You've been to Indianapolis before, right? Uh-huh. Well, I've so, been there just recruiting-wise, but I haven't been there for a media day. Okay. Well, you know. where'd you have di- where, where did you have dinner when you were in Indy? I mean, am I, is, am I supposed to go get the, the shrimp cocktail? Is that the, is that <laughs> the, the, the direction to go? <laughs> Yeah, I, I was always handed up in some small town, eating in a ca- in a cafe somewhere. Usually, is where, that's where the good food is. I mean, when <laughs> so, you get out in those smaller towns, that they, they they're not afraid to give you a, you know a, a meal. What they <laughs> and you go to some, and the prices are a little heavy. And when you're on a per diem, you got to be careful where you're hiding out. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's a, it's a little hard explaining that you had a banquet or something. <laughs> <laughs> Did, let me ask you that. Did you ever have to get called into the old principal's office? And well, Charlie, yeah. you uh, you had a you had a, a half a side of beef and some baked yeah. potatoes. Oh, yeah. When I was at Arizona State, I thought it was really something. That was my first full-time job, and I was in Chicago recruiting, and and I took a bunch of the coaches out to dinner that I knew, you know, guys that I knew, and I came back, and I turned in that receipt, and the the first thing Frank Cush said to me before we went out next year, he said, "Uh, McBride, are you going to have that same banquet you had last year in Chicago? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, that's pretty so good. That, 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 yeah, but that's, uh, you know, th- those those are kind of things you got to be careful with when you're out. Now, I, now, you know, we, we were pretty thin on, on you know, <laughs> how much money you could spend a day on food. It was really kind of, you know, you, you, you could lose weight easy <laughs> on that deal. That's pretty deal. good. Well, I, I'm kind of, if, if you're going to the small town diner slash cafe, I mean, I'm sure it was... Little uh, little pot roast or uh, you know open face roast beef sandwich or or maybe you did a little pork uh, pork tenderloin I don't know. Well, they loaded up. The one thing they always had was good corn, you know, and carbohydrates. A lot of a lot of a lot of potatoes cooked ten different ways. I mean, they had all kinds of stuff. But I'll tell you what the big thing was was usually you get close to the weekend you start talking prime rib. And these these guys put these would have you know a queen size then was about five pounds, and a king size was you know half of the steer, so <laughs> you know it was it was really something. And there's some places in Nebraska like that now, so you know that I've been in where they're not afraid to feed you. That's pretty good. Yes or no on the horseradish? Oh yeah, you have to do that. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah horseradish is. If you don't have horseradish, you just leave. There it is. I love that. <laughs> well, we're going to go on a on a recruiting trip, and we're going to go get some prime rib, Coach. <laughs> get some. That's good. Okay. Coach, you take care. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks for making time today. Okay. You take care of yourself and have fun tonight. Will do. We'll get it handled. Okay. Thank you. Bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red, an NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it here at Haymarket Park, Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Monday, and it's a good time to get caught up with Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore and Jay, I know you're dying to know how junior bats here at Haymarket Park, the Lincoln A's, are in action for a doubleheader. So excited about that. Uh, could Jay Moore step to the plate and go dead center 405 at uh, your seasoned age right now? Ooh, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'd like to think I could. That's, that's a shot. Now, if you give me, like, I'm definitely up for wood bat, then maybe with an aluminum, maybe. But I don't think so. That's, I, haven't, I haven't swung a baseball bat in, in years. I've swung some wiffle bats here lately, just pitching with my son. But other than that, it would be, it'd be fun to try, but it's going to take me a few, a few uh, at-bats or a few cuts to, to try to get there. But I'm going to lean on. I'd, I'd take the under and say no. <laughs> you know, I think if we get the right home run derby uh, pitching machine to you, you you'd be all yeah. right. Now, I want to I go back to Mav and the, the wiffle ball adventures either in the front yard or or backyard if mav pops out to dad um you know what's his what's his verbal response have we worked on that since the golf outing <laughs> well he's he's l- lately become a big fan of the sandlot which i can't argue it's a great movie you know he loves so he he thinks when he's playing baseball he's benny he's benny the jet you know so uh <laughs> so we got a lot of one-liners from there you know you play ball like a girl or one is calling people an L7 weenie. So you got a you got a four and a half year old calling calling your dad an L7 weenie. So that's that's pretty good. No, we, he's uh, he knows he definitely is at the age now where he knows uh, the 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 words not to say and what what you can say. So we're we're definitely working on the vocabulary, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it as well because I let a couple fly every now and then, and he catches me, and then I get tattled on to mom. So, oh, and then no. I get a, a butt chew, but that's okay. That's gonna that's gonna happen his whole life. May so I he's sug- big. Go ahead. I was gonna say, may I suggest uh, you, you you work in a little Goodfellas after the Sandlot, where, and and I and I suggest that. Uh, you know, uh, never rat on your friends, right? Or exactly. that part of the yep. movie. Just show that on loop. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I'll, I'll I'll try that and see if that that works. But uh, yeah, he's uh, that that might not keep his attention long enough as a Sandlot does. But uh, no, it's he's finally get to the age where he's enjoying you know playing some sports and has the attention span now to do that. So it's been fun lately. That's good. Jay Moore's with us, black shirt Husker NFLer, uh, with us here on Hale Bar City Radio. So, Jay, uh, you had a chance to check out the, the little blurb, uh, the, the podcast, uh, No Block, No Rock. Shout out to those guys, Tanner Farmer, uh, really talented wrestler, really talented football player, has graduated from Nebraska. But 
Uh, you saw the uh, the the, the uh, E True Hollywood story on on the Mo Washington effect of of, of said locker room, and, and and Tanner was trying to to be an upperclassman, a bigger brother, and reach out, and uh, Mo was pretty much telling him to step off, and a fight almost ensued. Little old Mill Washington, depending on how much Chick Fil A he had that day. Um, I'd go 180, and, and then Tanner Farmer, heavyweight uh, wrestling slash uh, interior offensive lineman. Uh, there was no fight. It got stopped in the locker room. But uh, some of us wish there could have been. <laughs> uh, there wasn't. But what's your reaction to that? Yeah, not, not totally surprised. I mean, you, you have that. You have, you know, with uh, 150 guys in a, in a roster, you're going to have some – some you know button heads, and it's usually not you know with the freshmen. It's, it's sometimes you have some of the older guys who you know it's kind of they're not you know staying in line when they need to. But you have the younger guys that kind of do that. It's 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 sad to hear because it's you know and you know obviously U.S. Washington could be part of the football team and, and obviously an exceptional talent. But you know and it's hard to it's hard to help people and they don't want to be helped. That's what makes it tough and. You know, I think they took a risk on Mo because obviously his his talent was was so good and so deep, and I think they knew he came from uh, quite a troubled background. And and you're trying to turn over some roster and get this get the talent where it needs to be, and he had it, but it's tough. And I'm not not totally surprised at all. I mean, it's unfortunate that things happen like that, and you can see why the kid's not on the football team anymore as well. Obviously, made some other life choices, but when you have you have kids like that, um, it doesn't matter how good they are. You can't have them. You can't have him on the team because, you know, it's hard when Mo Washington is playing and he's getting touches and he's showing up late to practice and not going to clash. I mean, that does not look good uh, to keep have respect on your football team among the coaching staff and your players. So, you know, I, I'd never, you know, I'd never have ran into an issue like that or had anything like that, you know, unfortunately. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen uh, when you have that many kids on the team and, um, and it's probably not the last time it's going to happen. You know, he's going to hopefully you deal with it the right way and, and you take care of it and, and uh, whether a coach is there or not. And sometimes, you know what, um, <laughs> sometimes a, a guy needs what's best for him. It sounds like, you know, Mo Washington, you know, you know needed his butt kicked a little bit. He probably would have done him some good, to be honest. But, you know, it, it didn't go down. But, you know, it's not, not, not surprised. Um, you know, and just what Nebraska's kind of gone, gone through here the last few years and just, you know, the struggles and some of the culture and that stuff. Even though Mo Washington, you know, wasn't, he was he was a young kid. and But that just kind of shows you what you deal with. You deal with them in a, in a big a big team that uh, that you have. And, and all a lot of kids who come from different backgrounds and, and different cultures and uh, different personalities. It's, uh, you're going you're gonna to have a few, uh, a few bad eggs like that. And uh, you just gotta gotta deal with it, and, and you know get them right, or they gotta move on. And, and Washington uh, moved on. Jay, uh, your time at Nebraska, any locker room justice you can retell us? Oh man, there had to be fights that, yeah. like the the uh, Ryan Bingham, Richie Incognito, or the yeah, two go off on anybody. Practice. I mean, there's, I mean, hell, I mean, you know, this stuff really didn't happen that much in the locker room. I would say my time at Nebraska spent our team chemistry was. Was was pretty good, to be honest. I mean, you know, all the fights happen in practice. Now, I got in fights with a lot of linemen. You know, they, that just happens in the, in the heat of practice. I mean, you're you're battling. It's whether it's hot out in training camp or 
you know, I got in fights with Lydon Mercer and, and Chris Patrick and, you know, Carl Nix and Matt Slauson, and things happen, right? So, you know, crap stuff happens in practice, but afterwards, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, you're, you move on and, you know, it's honestly like, Hey, you know, my bad. And you just move on. And then you probably end up fighting maybe a week or two later, but just, that just happened. You guys are competing and you're trying to work at it and get better, but you know, nothing, nothing to that extent that I can honestly, you know, that I can honestly remember, you know, and, um, and that's probably a good thing. You know, that's, that's, I'm, I'm glad I don't have any cricket short loose. You know, it's usually it's usually the alignment. I always blame the alignment. It's usually they want to shove you in the back after the whistle's already blown or something like that. So then that really pisses me off. So then I come back and you know I'm you know I'm, I'm smart enough not to throw punches at their uh, at a helmet, but usually you know it's you know you grab their face mask and you know hey mf or you know maybe a, a few other words choice words for them and say do that again, like it's you're you're effing done like you're toast so um um yeah so they, they got a little lippy or whatever you know then maybe the next time it happened it's it, you had to throw some punches and you had to get after him for a little bit and then he got broke up and then it's fine like you move on and and you go about your day but that's that's happens that happens in football practice no matter you know it's in college and nfl high level stuff man fights happen all the time and it's and it's whether it's uh you know, uh, bad blood or just guys trying to work and compete and get better and one guy just tries to take it too far, then you, you correct him, you move on, and a lot of times it's water underneath the bridge a little later and, you know, you battle a couple of days later and a couple of weeks later and, you know, it's just that's just the game. That's that's the nature. You're dealing with you're dealing with a lot of big men, a lot of testosterone, and football is a violent, you know, game. You have to go some dark places mentally to play the game and um, and sometimes you, you have to fight a teammate every now and then. Uh, unfortunately, just to, you know, keep them in line or just be, it's just part of the process. A few minutes here. Jay Moore's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Blackshirt Husker, NFLer. And uh, we're here at Haymarket Park, Lincoln A's, uh, a doubleheader tonight. Gorgeous Haymarket. Excited to be here in the uh, the booth for the uh, for the ball game tonight, talking some Husker football with Jay. So, Jay, Adam Rittenberg came out and uh, Nebraska kind of detailing the uh, the 10 years of, of Nebraska in the Big Ten. It started out okay. Nebraska made a coaching change. It has not been okay in the Big Ten. And a uh, pretty interesting question asked by uh, Adam Rittenberg. And, you know, of course, uh, Uncle Jerry, Coach DiNardo weighed in. Uh, you had different uh, Nebraska coaches or players weigh in, some anonymous uh, folks around the league as well. And it's, you know, who is Nebraska in 2021 in the Big Ten? You know, where do they fit in? And, and what 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 rent district are they in? I mean, historically, yeah, they're, they're in that blue blood category where you want to compare yourself to Ohio State and, and Michigan. And, and Nebraska is probably, you know, just a, a notch below Michigan the last few years, even though Michigan's not been great. But you know where would you where would you categorize Nebraska here from a, a tier one Ohio State a tier two pick somebody that's good but but not Ohio State and a tier three which is probably Illinois Purdue uh, Rutgers uh, Maryland uh, type uh, type rent d- district uh, where do you see Nebraska at right now? You know, you know, the last you know three years they'd be uh, you have to put them in tier three. You know, under Frost, mm-hmm. definitely a, a tier three program. You know, if I had a you know overall through you know the 
you know, what is it now? Going on year 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, the Big, I can't, uh, in the Big Ten. So I'd probably put them at a, you know, a tier two. You know, to me, Nebraska and Indiana seem pretty level. You know, it, it's, it pains me to say it, but I'm just calling a spade a spade. You know, Indiana. I'd take Indiana some, right now. I'd yeah, take Indiana's you know, performance right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Nebraska's had some good years when in the early Big Tens with with, with Pelini and um, obviously, you know, making the Big Ten, you know, uh, uh, championship game and obviously embarrassing loss to to Wisconsin. But you know, they're Indiana's been, you know, they've. Had some good talent, some good teams come through there. You know, Nebraska has, you know, beaten Indiana. I think they've only played them once since they've been in the conference, if I remember correctly. So, um, I think that's probably where they're at. You know, it's definitely what where we want them to be. But that's just, you know, just that's just fair to me. I don't, I can't think of, you know, the Michigan State. I mean, Michigan, I can't even say Michigan State. Michigan State's played, you know, there in the, the college football semifinals. I mean, that's the year Nebraska beat them. But you know, they've had Michigan State played in Rose Bowls. You know, here as of late, and you know, Nebraska, their best bowl game, you know, is maybe a a Gator Bowl, you know, win against against Georgia. That's it's tough. It's it's obviously they've struggled, and right now they're tier three. But overall, I'll say they're a tier two Indiana, and hopefully, you know, they improve this year. But tough schedule, and you know, a lot a lot to be seen with uh, with this upcoming season. He's in his thirties. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Talking with former Blackshire and Husker NFLer Jay Moore here on Hail Varsity Radio. And Jay, so much of this conversation is tied to Nebraska jumping ship to the Big Ten. But but do you really think that the, the, the Big Ten jump is what caused the issues for Nebraska? Or do you think that it just kind of magnified the problems that were already there and has kind of given us a, a reason to, to try to make things different? That's a reason to, to fire Pliny. It's a reason to fire Mike Riley is because the Big Ten is just showing the weaknesses in the program. Uh, I don't know. I think I think we underestimate from from looking outside looking in. I think we underestimate how tough the Big Ten is. You know, we we look and you see, you know, Iowa Northwestern. The games, you know, fourteen to ten. You know, like oh, that's what a what a brutal game. That's crappy football. You know, or you see, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, and it's you know not doesn't look very good. It's you know, and obviously Ohio State's always been pretty impressive. Penn State's been somewhat impressive. You know, and he's look. But then you realize, man, those teams are really good, and they just kind of beat up on each other. And we kind of realize how hard it is to beat Iowa, how hard it is to beat Northwestern, how hard it is to beat, you know, Indiana, how hard it is to beat Michigan State, how hard it is to beat Penn State. You know, a lot of these teams, um, you know, year in and year out, week in and week out, you know. I don't know if there's, you know, there there might have been easier weeks off in, in the Big 12, you know, looking back at it. I mean, you know, you got to respect everyone, but I mean, you know, back in the day, you know, I mean, Baylor's obviously gotten better, but you know, Baylor was was um, an easier game. You know, Kansas is you know was is really struggling, and, and they're better when I was in the Big Twelve. But right now, they're you know not very good, and hopefully, with Coach Leipold, they'll get that program turnover. So, I don't know. I think Big Twelve, but there's maybe a few more gettable games than than uh, than in the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is really really tough. I mean, it just it just is. It's kind of a grind. And I think from afar, we thought, oh, these teams aren't very good. They're just, it's just a crappy, you know, 
uh, six and three Iowa playing, you know, a five and four, you know, Northwestern, and it's and it's fourteen to ten at the start of the fourth quarter. Well, then then Iowa maybe goes on and beats Penn State next week. Northwestern beats you know Ohio State or whatever it is, you know, and it's like wow, it's kind of crazy. And I just think we took it for granted a little bit and thought we'd come in there and roll and probably could have played a little better, but it is what it is. And you just kind of have a few lapses in recruiting, you know, and you miss some guys and. Um, really, they just missed on the D-line, O-lines in some years, to be honest. They kind of caught up with us, and you're just playing catch-up. We've been playing catch-up ever since, unfortunately. Jay Moore is with us, Black Shirt Husker, NFLer. And uh, tell you what, Jay, excited for football, heading out to Indy uh, on, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, live shows Thursday and Friday from uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. Ever have, uh, have a preseason showdown or ever travel to Indy? Uh, you know much about the city? Any any haunts you can suggest? You know, I I've only been to Indianapolis once. That was when the I went there for the NFL Combine, so I was pretty uh, locked down oh, there. Didn't have yeah, a ton of that trip. Had a ton of yeah, <laughs> yep. The old NFL Combine back in '07, so um, was pretty locked down there. But you know, you can't ever go wrong hitting up St. Elmo's. You know that sauce they have there and and uh, shrimp cocktail. Can't go wrong getting that place. But I haven't, I haven't spent, you know, going to the dome to to, to work out and then stay stay in a hotel and kind of hang out, stay fresh and get ready to compete at you know the combine. How much shrimp cocktail did you rock? Was it Costanza numbers? <laughs> you know, I I never to to be honest, I've never actually been there. I've had the sauce because people have had it. I think you can buy it now, but someone brought it back. The sauce is phenomenal. It's spicier in hell, but it's really good it was, with shrimp cocktail. Now, I probably had, you know, maybe about 12 shrimp cocktail in the sauce at someone's house before, you know, just hanging out before dinner. But never been there, to, to be totally honest. But uh, I, don't, I think that's, that's kind of the go-to spot in, in Indianapolis. That's the, that's the, the sound of it. And uh, we'll see. Uh, nothing like uh, getting an interview with, uh, with Fitz or frost and saying uh, we need to take a, a media timeout because st elmo's fire is going to uh seek its revenge uh yeah. you sit down for an interview and it could be uh it could be dicey mm-hmm. it could be very very dicey bird do well with golf keep uh, keep that pitching arm loosened up for mav and wiffle ball we'll do this again thanks for a few minutes yep you got it guys thank you Good to get caught up with Jay Moore, Black Shirt Husker NFL or Hale Varsity Radio on the road at Haymarket Park. Uh, the Lincoln A's versus the Blackhawks. Uh, we are underway. Junior, a half inning pitched. Uh, five runs, four earned, and uh, four hits allowed. It was uh, it was time to go to the old bully, thank God. Uh, the offense will pick him uh, up. But right now the A's are, uh, well, Mounting a comeback, uh, they are down five nothing. Uh, playing defense right now, Elijah. Well, there's a reason you you bought Junior that new bat this year. He's he's got to get that bat going in the game today. He's, he's making it up for on the mound uh, in the batter's box. I'm, I'm sure that the offense is going to pick him up too. We hope so. <laughs> we hope so. Uh, but uh, kudos to the Blackhawks. They have come out uh, on all cylinders. Reminder about your friends at West Blue Realty. Uh, maybe you're moving. Maybe it's time to sell that home because. You're not going to get uh, a number higher than what the housing market's given you right now. Maybe you're looking to, to move into a better school district or 
that dream house is on the block. West Blue Realty, westbluerealty.com is uh, where you need to go. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. Uh, two names to know, Tom Luby, Kelly Hofschneider. They are phenomenal, and uh, they'll help you out uh, with uh, your new home. Uh, Tom Luby's number, 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. WestBlueRealty.com can make an appointment today, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. As uh, right now, runners in motion, throw down to third by Bubba. Not in time. Uh, Nick Riling with a nice scoop at third. Second and third right now. Two balls, two strikes for the Blackhawks. As uh, in the batter's box right now, what's the kid's name? He likes Greg Maddox. That's fantastic. So... Uh, you don't, have, you don't have a media guide in front of you? Well, so. you, you, they've been through the order. Uh, we'll just leave it there. <laughs> uh, you have uh, Buckeye up to up to bat right now for the for the Blackhawks. Well, okay, I'm hearing some uh, some walk up music in the background. Did your son have a uh, like a walkout song when he's going up to the mound? That could have been the problem tonight. I don't think he did, mm. but I was playing Wild Thing and on my phone for him <laughs> from up here. <laughs> Uh, because he's either hot or cold, man. We'll uh, dive in to uh, the war on Twitter between Iowa and Nebraska. And it goes back to a double play ball. Well done by Nick Riling at third base. Nick the quick baby at third, able to snag a uh, lasered line drive. Grab it, the uh, runner at third, just too far off the bag. He steps on third, retires the side. No more damage done by the Blackhawks on the A. Still five to nothing. Blackhawks here, six hits allowed by A's pitching as uh, the A's are back and uh, ready to go here uh, with their next at bat. Time permitting, uh, Elijah will dive in to the, uh, the uh, Iowa-Nebraska Twitter battle. But uh, great baseball right now at Haymarket uh, uh, here on ESPN. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time here on a Monday as uh, the Lincoln A's here at Haymarket Park. Junior's baseball team and good old Connor up to bat right now. Number three, lefty. Uh, Connor's a good baller, great kid. And Garrett uh, G just walked. He's on first with a three-foot lead. Connor able to (laughs) turn his back and get out of the way of that pitch that came a bit too inside. Oh, Seabass is on deck right now in the uh, in the on-deck circle. Did you see that video of that uh, that kid standing out on second base and uh, the kid well, the kid that was at back it out of the way and he yells um, let it hit you! Yes. Yes. Yeah, so th- the th- that's the, what the been... kid that's here in Williamsport saying I just came here to hit dingers. <laughs> yes. uh, John Cruck Jr. <laughs> Already. That's uh, that's about right. Seabass is at the day, I should say, on deck. Connor 
uh, right now on top two balls and one strike. I miss doing baseball. Last time I did baseball, I think, might have been Salt Dogs in the 0-4 season. That was a base rip by Connor down right field line, turning and rounding Second is Garrett cut off to second base. Two on, no out here for the Lincoln A's. Yeah, I'll record this a little bit and uh, add it to your portfolio. Maybe you can get a gig doing some baseball here in the, in the near future. <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever gets me the hell off of sports talk, huh? <laughs> Thinking Elijah. <laughs> Quick reminder about uh, buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. This message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Tomorrow on the show, we are going to load up and uh, spend some time. It's a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski with us. We'll dive into that Iowa-Nebraska Twitter war that's ongoing. Uh, Curveball outside to Seabass. And uh, the, the count now, two balls and a strike. Uh, we'll run down Gary Barnett. Coach Barnett will be with us ahead of media days. So Wednesday, I'll be in the air. My layover, layover is in St. Paul. And then I get to Indianapolis. And then I'll check in with you, Elijah, for uh, Thursday morning on KFOR. We'll check in with Hooksy and uh, Willie J from uh, from Indy. And then, of course, Hale Varsity, 4-6 to six. Thursday. We'll catch up with as many Huskers as we can also Northwestern and Michigan and uh, a good lineup for you, kind of TBA. And then uh, as much as we can give you Friday as well with Iowa and Ohio State and uh, and Indiana. And uh, we'll see if we can't get the old pig farmer to sit down with this Brett Bielema because, you know, we're not far away, Elijah, here from uh, Nebraska, Illinois. Snap throw back to second, uh, not in time. Garrett back head first. Uh, G alert there. Connor on first base. Seabass. Right now, uh, Sebastian Morales, a uh, big Mike Trout guy, two balls, two strikes. Seabass, uh, the last tournament uh, in state, crushed one to left field, and it went yard, and uh, that was pretty cool. Rest of the night for you, Elijah. You, you still have a uh, little bit of time here to decide who you want for game six. Well, I think I've already lost the series. I think, I'm sure you have. I think you're up four to one on me. Um, I'll but... just let you keep picking, brother. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm so good at it. I think I'll go with uh, Milwaukee to close it out tonight. Well, it's ball four to Seabass, and Junior up to bat uh, with that uh, shin guard that no doubt hurts his 40 time. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Hale Varsity. Thanks.